Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. It's an honor to be in your presence. I've known your pastor and his wife in their first of the 27 kids they have. Um, many, many years. It's fun to be able to help train him. I'm here this morning. He had invited me to come, and I said, I'm just not taking speaking engagements. I'm traveling around the country, very important time for our country. I've been behind the scenes for many years, and uh, we're imploding, and our enemies are on the inside, and it's not very pretty what's coming down the road. So um, the Lord had to deal kind of roughly with me. I've always been pretty good shape and athletic, and... I had to have a four-way bypass uh, last year, and I had no symptoms. It was just caught it in a uh, regular yearly checkup. And uh, it was like a seven-hour ordeal. I was asleep the whole time, but when I woke up was the interesting time how God used it. Uh, I didn't know where I was, as you wouldn't after something like that, but I knew something was in my throat, and they had tubes down me. And uh, I started pulling them out, and this sweet voice over to my right said, Michael, please don't do that. Uh, I'm here to help you. We just brought you in. Everything's excellent. You're going to do very well. And I don't know if I blinked my eye or if I fell asleep for a couple hours, uh, but I looked outside the door of the ICU unit, and there were these lifeless people walking down the hall. They were zombies. They were dead people walking. And uh, what I noticed was they were totally void. There's no soul or personality. There's no whites of the eyes, no light fingertips, uh, no t- white teeth, all just without life. And uh, I thought, that's weird. I know I'm close to death. but And then hundreds of them started running. And in this vision or whatever it was, I looked, and they were jumping into hell which was not very pleasant. And um, a handful of them at the end of the line saw me alive in that room and came in to take me with them. And just as a couple of them got to my throat, I cried out to God. And I said, God, what have I done to, to offend you? And I've always loved souls of helping people find eternal life. And I thought, what have I actually done wrong that I've missed it completely and it just pushed my heart further towards people because when you get to that place there's no turning back and if you're on the broad road to destruction you're going to be destroyed but if you're on the narrow path when you get there then you have the right answer and just before they choked me uh, I cried, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I serve him, and I love him. He died on the cross for me, was buried in a grave, and he rose from the dead. My life is in his hands. And at that instant, this brilliant light with a huge noise, a lot of power in it, but just a huge noise, 
came blasting in the hallway into my room and wrapped itself around me. And at that, all the zombie dead people were blown into hell. And as it got close to me and protected me, I saw these, it wasn't a big light. It was tiny little specks of light that had joined together. And like a a proverbial ton of bricks, uh, I thought, hold it. The last thing I remember was I said to the doctor, I just checked and 33,000 people are praying for you and for me right now. And uh, through the whole surgery. It's a lot of people, Doc, and I don't know you and you don't know me, but I'm going to do my best. And he said, I'm going to do my best. I love a challenge. Let's go. Uh, So, In 1970, I had a vision as a very young Christian. Had no idea what a vision was. I was reading the Bible five or six hours a day and memorizing scriptures my first six months and then got really active, helped plant a church, and uh, always leading people to the Lord. And prayer was important, but I saw America totally blacked out and void like these zombies. No life. And I was standing above looking down at America from Southern California east. And you could see the Baja uh, on your right. You could see the uh, big state of Texas. You could see the panhandle of Florida all the way up across to uh, Canada to Oregon and down the coast. Not a stitch of life in it. I had no idea what that meant. And then all of a sudden some sparks started popping up in the Midwest and New England, Washington area, New York City. And um, that's why after that hospital experience, I thought America needs to wake up. And uh, there's this thing uh, called the United States Prayer Force. I realized that we have an Air Force and it fights our battles in the air. And then I realized, hold it, I've been following the Space Force, and uh, I wanted to be their first chaplain. So I've seen pictures of the weapons. Seven weeks ago, a headline read, the U.S. Space Force is ready for war. And I just don't see God letting man go out into space and bring our sin with us. Um, But we're already thinking we'll kill anybody that gets in our way. So that's just not good. So then I understood what that vision was. It was about the end times for America. And I know everyone in this room knows something is not good ever since COVID. And uh, it keeps getting fouler and filthier and more wicked. They're cutting boys and girls up and changing their gender. They're making vaccines. I just came from the Silicon Valley. Vaccines that have protein spikes in them and that's why we're seeing athletes on the basketball court and football fields and soccer fields dropping dead young men in perfect shape Uh, just really sick things going on we're fighting a war by proxy with number three superpower with uh, the Russians China has now told Russia they're going to support Russia Uh, and now they've got their own currency and breaking away from the world order and now we're going, to, we're going to be fighting here the two other great world powers. And we don't have it in us. 
And so Wake Up America, I thought, was, well, I'll go like I've done for years, and we'll go to auditoriums, arenas, and stadiums, and get people together. And the Lord said, no. And I'll show you in Ezekiel, if you want to turn there, chapter 8, why he said no. So I've asked the Lord for one million bright lights to pray together. And I send out like three emails a week. Uh, and it's continually growing every week across the country. And it's just unique to see what the Lord is doing. Because I have no staff. And I think I had like 200 people with me at one time. And uh, have no budget. And I'm not asking for money. It's easier that way because then God provides when he guides. And the people that know, know. So... Um, I've read Ezekiel for 53 years, and I never saw what I'm going to... I mean, I've read it, I've even taught it, but I've never saw the application that I'm going to share with you this morning. So Lord, I pray with my family, my brothers and sisters, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us all. We're not trying to wave the flag, and we're not trying to say who to vote for or replace one party with another. You're our king. You're our God. We serve you. But the church has gotten a little lethargic, as you well know, and so many have closed in the last three, four years, actually. Um, and we just need you to speak and give ears to hear and a heart to receive. Each of us have a little part there's no one better than anybody else or more popular or famous or needed. We're all your sons. We're your daughters. And we'd like to lay our hearts on your throne right now and show us what is it I should do as an individual? What is it in these last hours of man's history that we could do? In Jesus' name, amen. So targeted prayer is a beginning of a series. And uh, I found out over years, a lot of people say they pray, but they aren't really praying. They'll do a little prayer like, now lay me down to sleep with a bag of peanuts at my feet. Before I die, before I wake, you'll know I died with a bellyache. Uh, something flippant or, oh Lord, bless this food. And we move on, you know, to our worldly discussion at the table instead of waiting and Letting the Spirit of God show us what to pray. Teach us to pray, the disciples said. So um, it always starts with your heart in the bullseye. When I was in the military, and I've uh, been with the San Diego Police Department 41 years, nine of those, I was a reserve officer on the street, and I know how sick our area is, but it's you and God. The next circle is your family. The greatest asset we all have in this room Number one is our relationship with God, but is our family. The second greatest is our friends in the church. And to make an asset grow, you have to invest really heavily. And those are two areas that don't get much investment, is friends and family. And then the next one is, I learned from my dog, uh, when I'm walking her two or three times a day, we go for good long walks and uh, I pray for the people that are walking their dogs, and I pray for all the people in the houses on the route that we go. We change it every night and every morning, and I get to see my neighborhood and pray for my neighbors, and then my city, which I love very much, San Diego, and definitely 
I think California needs prayer, and then the United States of America. So uh, it's very, very simple, but at the back are pages for every ring for you to learn how to get focused by writing down family, writing down neighbors, writing down city. You know, pray for the education system. It's corrupt. Um, pray for the law enforcement. They need so much help. The fire departments, the doctors, the nurses, on and on and on. And it expands you. And when a million people get together and they become a laser beam like in outer space, which we have, and it zeroes in together, it is so intense like that white light of the people praying for me. Spared me from death, maybe. But you have a lot of power from God. And he'll start showing you. And I'm being very gentle like a nursemaid because I don't know all these people. And uh, leading them to a place where hopefully a major hotel chain in Washington, D.C. is getting the idea to bring Christians to Washington in seven days a week for the week before and the week of our election to sing, pray, and praise in their ballrooms around the heart of D.C. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're fighting against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness and the darkness in the heavens. We've got to break through that darkness because it has been proven fact. There is no man on the earth that can drain the swamp. But there is a God in heaven who can change the heart. And that's what I'm asking you to strongly consider. <clears throat> it came to pass, this is chapter 8 of Ezekiel, came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house. What a good picture would be having a home fellowship. I know when San Diego started, it was 10 people in a home. And I drove 200 miles each Monday night for those 10 people, but they grew to 1,000 people in the first year. 2,000 the second, 3,000 the third. So the third year, New Year's Eve, we rented sports arena, had 7,700 people, 450 decisions were made for Jesus at that time. And it just kept growing. So now there's like uh, guys that were discipled and trained and sent out maybe 200, 250 churches that have come out of those original 10 people. So I know there's nothing that God cannot do and that he won't do. And I know how much he loves you. And no matter how depressed or sad or set back you get, his love is so powerful for you. But a lot of times Christians block God's love. He's madly in love with you. I was invited into Saudi Arabia with Sandy a few years ago. Great honor, great privilege. And got to speak actually. And uh, the, the host wanted to know if I wanted to see a special well that was be dug, being dug. And they wanted to show me the world's largest oil refinery. It took three hours to drive through the desert. All the way through the desert, I noticed one thing. You know what it was? Sand. <laughs> okay, you're with me so far. Come on. Um, sand. And I couldn't help when I got out of that car and the Muhajin were the security at this facility. I thought, that's interesting. Um, and got out, and I looked around, and I thought, there is so much sand here. What if you could slow time down, 
get a handful of sand and let one drop, one grain, and count it. Might take a lifetime. So many little tiny grains. God drew me to Psalm 139 as I was standing there. David cries out to God, how precious are your thoughts towards me every day, all day long. They number more than the sand on the earth. And I was in one of the largest deserts in the world. I think of California, Mexico, the coastline, all the sand. You think of Death Valley, Borrego Springs, the whole world is covered with sand. And God loves you and thinks about you with precious thoughts that outnumber all of those grains. Well, why would I want to shy away from that love? I've seen him like uh, Dave and Terry. That's not their real name. That's what I called him when I performed their wedding. Uh, sitting in the back. 43 years ago, they just showed me a picture. We were just boys and girls at that time when they got married. Um, he just loves you. His whole program is love. God is love. I got a degree in world religions and I thought, how strange that people try to build a bridge to God. God built a cross to man. He comes to us. We're trying to work our way to wherever he is and find out who he is. But through his son, Jesus, he built the bridge. He loves you. And I would be a derelict if I didn't have a concern with the gospel to be lived in my home, in the church, and on the streets, wherever I am. I'd be derelict. I'd be myopic in my vision and narrow-minded person. And some of the worst politicians are the ones that need our love and our prayer the most. Ten years ago, very famous Congress member, just a meet and greet, sat me down in their boardroom and asked me, why am I afraid? I said, I just met you five years ago, five hour, minutes ago. I have no idea. I don't know. What is it you're afraid of the most? And this member of Congress, over 10 years ago, said, I'm afraid America is not going to make it. Now, what? You're a member of my Congress, we the people. And then they said, well, most people in Congress don't think America's going to make it. Well, I can assure you that we're very close to making it is gone. And the only answer is God. And you and I are his sons and daughters. It's good to have home fellowships. This powerful prophet is sitting with the elders in his home. And that's where it should start. So this church came out of a group of people that came out of a home. And I only came 200 miles every week for those 10 people. But God came light years for us. He's got a call for us. And there are certain churches that hear the call. And uh, I just want you to remember, keep it simple, and take it home with you. And share it there, too. The hardest place. As I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. In the home. Don't have to wait to get to the church building. He can move heavily in your home. Then I looked, and there was a likeness like the appearance of fire 
from the appearance of his waist and downward, fire, and from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched out the form of a hand. Now look at this. He took me by a lock of my hair. Imagine just a lock of the hair, and then that big hand, the Spirit, lifted me up between heaven and earth. Imagine that. I bet he became the greatest Christian ever at that time. Don't drop me. Don't sneeze. Don't cough. Don't let a meteorite go by and disrupt your Lord. Hanging there, and we don't know how far between heaven and earth is, but if we just take something we can grasp, the moon, 220, what is it, 223,000 miles from the moon, let's say 110,000 miles up, he's holding him. He's given him a vision bigger than himself. So he can understand how small he is to recognize how big his God is. And God doesn't sit back doing nothing, waiting for some action. He's trying to love 8 billion people right now. And the majority of them are rejecting him, including his own people. Last week in uh, New Mexico, I'd never seen this in all the years of ministry. There's a town of 7,500 people. There's over 900,000 people in this congregation out of the 7,500. They have now started in the last few weeks of coming 30 minutes before the service starts just so they can sit and worship and pray. Without any direction, the Lord has spoken to this small town in New Mexico. When I got there early, I wanted to see it. I had the Guterres brothers with me. And uh, they said, could we get there around 7 o'clock so that we could be there and we could lead worship with them and sing with them? They said, of course. And it was a great thing. I'd never seen it before. But out of the 900, 200 people took a stand for God. And the first one forward was a 16-year-old girl. And then all the way up to 87 years old. And everything in between. People weeping and crying. And some people are getting it. Some people aren't getting it. They just say, oh, I'm at church. But if you get it, you're going to be really super blessed. I was in Assembly of God Church, and I was expecting some holy roller type of action going on. There was none. One of the most loving churches I had ever stepped foot in. The pastor and his entire team greeted me and introduced themselves and told me what they did in the Lord's kingdom. And then when I gave an invitation, the balcony and the main floor, so many people came forward, I couldn't get off the stage. They're weeping and crying, and mainly young men and women. And that's what Joel said in the last days. Young men and women, they're going to prophesy and have visions. And thank God we get included at times. My age group, the old men will dream dreams. And I notice I'm dreaming more than I ever dreamt before. But I'm seeing things from heaven, and that's what counts. I don't need all the garbage, the world, and the gadgets and everything, the AI. I spent time with people involved at the highest levels with the AI, and it's dangerous, and it's already taken over. It knows everything. If you have a Alexa or Google in your home, it hears every conversation that you have. It knows what you're talking about when you don't think your phone is listening. It's recording. It's, it's just, when I asked the guys in pharmacy, 
technology. And he said, oh, it's really dark. Oh, okay. So America's in big trouble. A friend of mine, if you've ever been to the USS Midway, his jet is on the end of the runway. And I think it says Commander, it has his name on there. And uh, we were at lunch before Christmas. We try to get together every year. And he said, you knew I was a pilot in Vietnam. I said, yes, sir, decorated. And he said, well, you know, we had these little electronic numbers that would come on to our equipment. And if China came into the war, this is 1968-69. If China came into the war, we're fighting a proxy war then. If China came into the war, the number came, and we all went, we never talked to anybody. We all went different directions. We all had a target. I said, yeah, I, I'm aware of those things. And I said, that must have been a little different. He said, you want to know where it, what it was? And I said, not if it's top secret. And he said, no, it's not. It was a military, chemical, biological uh, laboratory. And that was my target, to obliterate it. Want to know where it was? And I said, not if it's top secret. And he said, it's, it's not anymore. I said, a little unknown town called Wuhan. Wuhan that we finance. America's in big trouble. We've took all of our business and gave it to the bad boys. They've gotten more powerful. They're in our education system. They're in our military. They're all over Washington. They're in high-tech, low-tech, in-between-tech. The only thing you can trust right now is the Lord. This world is going to be judged. So in chapter 7, this guy gets a vision chapter 8, but in chapter 7, God says to Israel, you have turned from me. You've gone to abominations. You're into idolatry. Da, 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 da. You can read it on your own. He says to him, uh, I'm going to judge you for this. And then he says, I'm going to judge the land itself and I'm going to judge all four borders. And I thought, open border policy, judgment. We have five million people that we don't know who they are in the country. And I remember as a reserve officer, I knew some of the guys in charge of our border from the police, and over the years, I've known now the federal people. And it's, it's not the nice Mexican people that are just coming across for jobs and going back home. It's the Iranians. It's the Chinese. It's the North Koreans. It's the weapons. We had the biggest bust ever just this year. Enough fentanyl from one smuggler at our border to kill 338 million Americans. One. And one border patrol official told me once, if we bust somebody at the border... If we get one, there's probably a hundred the same day that have made it through. Now, Sandy and I got a call from Scottsdale Police Department, and I talked to the detective and the officer on the scene. And our 18-year-old son wasn't sleeping, and somebody told me to go on the internet and buy a sleeping pill. The toxicology report said it had enough fentanyl in it to kill 10 full-grown men. He's dead now. He had a great future in front of him at 18 years old. I showed him how to play a guitar. He became Eddie Van Halen. He played football. He was so fast, so tall. He'd raise his hand up like this and wave, and the quarterback would throw to chase, and he'd get it, pull it down, touchdown. 
touchdown. He just was a natural, gifted human being with so much potential. And yet about 70,000 a year of our teenagers are dying because of this stupid drug. See, there's only one voice, and that's God's voice. So if the people don't resist the devil, he's not going to flee. If a nation doesn't rebuke the devil, he's not going to flee from the nation. He's going to open up more filth, more darkness, take more souls into hell. But here's a man that God says, I want to show you something. And I have friends since I've left the ministry in San Diego that uh, pastors and parishioners that now are prophetesses and they're this and they're that and they got titles and they're into false doctrine and saying, you don't need everything from the Bible. Christian bookstores are closed down across America. Christian record companies have closed down. Christian radio, definitely. Christian television, the voice is leaving the country. You're the answer through God. But if you don't speak up, you're going to have family members that aren't going to make it, maybe. And we love our families more than that. So here's what he saw. And because of time, I'm going to be very quick here and just hit the, the top of it. He saw God like he saw him once before. And I love it that God will come back and visit us and talk with us. He stu- uh, took me by the lock of my hair and he took me to the door in verse 3 of Jerusalem, of the inner court where the seat of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. Now, jealousy, according to Galatians 5.19, is a work of our flesh. It's made manifest. We get jealous of somebody's clothes, their car, their house, their spouse, their whatever. And jealousy's not good. And yet, at God's house, there was a statue of it. And people would come there in the leadership, jealous. And people that would worship never got to worship because they'd be jealous. It was an evil spirit that had come in. So he takes them there and behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, which is so good to see, like the vision I saw on the plain. So God has returned and shown him again something else. And here he is, a prophet, and he's going to ask him at least six times, oh, son of man, have you seen? Uh, No. Well, son of man, are you aware of the wickedness that goes on in my house? Uh, No. I'll show you abominations. Oh, I'll show you even greater abominations. Now think of that. People strut around like they're really important because they want you to know they're doctor so-and-so or they're prophet so-and-so or just, and it should be humility. It should be complete humility to serve you is an honor to stand in another shepherd's pulpit with his flock is a frightening thing because you belong to God not to the denomination not to the church group not to the pastor not to the elders you are God's daughter you are God's son and I fear your father because he's taught me to fear him And where respect is lacking is many times from pulpits. And this is what God used to form this great nation, was the pulpit. So look what happens. The next five things. This jealousy is one. 
Do you see, son of man? You're a prophet. And he said, I'm not even aware. So when people start strutting their gifts around or their made-up gifts, do not submit yourself to anyone but to the Lord. Because in the last days, Jesus said, there'd be a lot of false prophets. And I'm sorry to say in San Diego, I've never seen so many. Furthermore, he said to me, son of man, do you see this? What they're doing, this is the action of the leadership. The great abominations, he calls them abominations, that the house of Israel commits here, my house. And look what the response to God is. To make me go far away from my sanctuary. How sad. It's God's house and it's polluted inside. Now turn again, you'll see greater, greater abominations. Great abominations, great abominations, greater abominations, it increases. So the second thing, he brought me to the door of the court. He's getting closer to the inner sanctuary. I looked, there's a hole in the wall. And he said to me, which means, first thing I noticed when I came on your campus, how beautiful it is, how manicured it is, how perfect the carpets are. The walls are painted nicely. It's clean. Your people that have Smarts, spiritual smarts. This is your home, and you want to please God. And you come as you are, but you love one another. The love just blew me away as soon as I walked down your steps over here. How I was greeted and treated, and I don't need anything. I I wrestle with people that have to be the senior pastor or reverend most high or the apostle. I just am honored that I can be a doorkeeper of the house of God. This is your home. But the leadership wasn't paying their bills, apparently. I would have fired our maintenance guy because we had three school campuses, about 30-some acres in the Claremont area. And uh, if I'd ever seen a hole in a wall or graffiti in the bathroom, it'd have been gone. This is sad that the people weren't taking care of God's house on the outside. And then he said, son of man, dig into the wall. What? Well, when I dug into the wall, I found a door. Now he's going to go towards that inner place. He said to me, go in. Now look at this increase. See the wicked abominations which they are doing here. Behind a door that nobody could go but the leaders. He said to me, go in. And see the wicked abominations they're doing here. So I went in and I saw. And there every sort of creeping thing. That's the third thing that he's revealing. I imagine Ezekiel is just flabbergasted and broken hearted. Ladies you all learned what a creep was when you became a teenager. This is a different kind of a creeping thing. Um, so don't worry about it. Creeping things. Abominable beasts. And all the idols of the house of Israel. Not out in open. People didn't know what was really going on. Portrayed all around on the walls. Isn't that something? When they went in to prepare for the service. To come out and be the super spiritual whatever. And you're coming to bless the Lord and have his help come and favoritism come to you they've got the walls decorated with wickedness pornography in God's eyes 
Do you know the statistics say that uh, in the church, the Christian church, Catholic and Protestant, as many men and women are hooked on pornography as heathen non-believers in America? Shouldn't be that way, but that's how it is. But God can get rid of it. A lot of people, people, a lot of people just don't want to get rid of their sins. They hang on to them. But I'm going to heaven. You're playing with fire. So he shows them this. Now he's known it's going on for years. He's so patient. And and look at this. And there stood. Before them, 70 men of the elders. Now remember, 70 God brought out for Moses to stand in the tabernacle and to be ministers alongside him to take the load off of him, to spread it. Moses said, oh, I wish to God that all could worship and prophesy like that. So he says, what are these elders doing? They're in the midst of Jazz and I have the son of Shaphan. Each had a censer in his hand. A thick cloud of incense went up. Well, that's just what the Bible says in the New Testament. In the last days, there'll be a form of godliness. Ooh, censers and smoke and incense and the robes and all the paraphernalia. But they'll deny the power, the Holy Spirit, to change the heart. Don't ever let your faith turn into routine. Be yourself in the Lord. A thick cloud. And then he said, son, here's the fourth. Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the darkness? And notice this. In the New King James, it says, every man in the room of his idols. If you get away from the New King James, it gets watered down more and more. But you go back to the King James in the original text. It says, every man in the chambers of his imagery. Aha. The mind. We think we're hiding from everybody what we're really thinking. Or fantasizing about. Or involved in. The chambers of our imagery. The fantasies. The lust. The bitterness. The anger. And God's looking past the chambers of the temple. Into the chambers of the heart of the people. We forget that God's alive and he's powerful and he knows all things and yet he still loves us. It's an amazing experience for each of us. Every man, the chambers of industry. And why do they get away and get lukewarm and backslide? He tells you. Because it's the doctrine that they've accepted. They say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Well, no, he hasn't. In our case, he hasn't forsaken it because you have a pastor that teaches you about God and loves you and teaches you to sing and to worship and to serve your community. I'm here. He hasn't forsaken America. I'm giving my last breaths to America, the land. That he's going to forsake it, yes, and it's going to be utter destruction, And we deserve it. Let me just tell you, there's three things that physically will change everything. One is the explosion of the world's largest supervolcano. There's 23 supervolcanoes. Do you know where the largest in the world is? It's underneath Old Faithful in Wyoming. 
And long story short, when it explodes and it's ready, it's overdue, when it explodes, it'll obliterate. The first movie I saw about it was in a 60-mile circumference will disappear. All living life, animals, plants, humans will die. Now they're saying, no, it's going to be 100 miles. And when it goes up into the air with all the ashes, it'll turn to glass and it'll come down and people will die. One half of the American population will die from the explosion in all of our farmland, which is almost being sold out to China now so they can control you by controlling our food sources. One group just bought 592,000 acres of our land. And many of it's around military bases and missile silos. We're in big trouble. And when that cloud moves to the East Coast, the largest population will vanish. It'll go across the Atlantic and it'll bring worldwide famine. The second one is the New Madeira Fault. The last time, it's 40-some years overdue. When it went off, the largest, most powerful earthquake ever in America's history, it rang church bells in Boston, Massachusetts. It turned the course of the Mississippi River and made the water run backwards. The Oregon uh, Pacific Plate from the ocean and the Cascadia Fault for Mount St. Helens and Mount Hood and all Mount Rainier, the whole thing coming down Washington, Oregon. When it slips, and I have a brother that had four times in the state legislature of Oregon, and he explained it very clearly to me. The tidal wave will be 90 to 100 feet high. It'll shatter everything from Mendocino, California, the entire coast of Oregon, the entire coast of Washington, up to Vancouver, British Columbia. All the people will be killed because there'll be no way to get thousands of helicopters to evacuate them. It'll go at least a mile, if not two miles inland with the tsunami waters. That's just three physical things that are just waiting, and I think God's holding them back. Does it bother your heart? Do you care? Are you on your toes? What can I do, God? Because I have a brother that lives on the coast of Oregon. And he's a card-carrying communist. Same time I became a born-again Christian. We went two different directions. You must have somebody you love so much that you'll give up your own life like Jesus did for you. What can I do? I could pray. You're never too old. There are no excuses. God wants to use you. So in closing, he said, let me show you something else here. Two things. There were women, verse 14, sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz was like the Greek god, uh, Adonis. And uh, he was a sex god. They're fantasizing outside God's house. Have you seen this? I'll show you even greater. He goes to the inner court. 25 men, and their backs are to the temple. They're facing the east, and they're worshiping the sun. Oh, every morning about 4.30 or 5.30, men line up across from Tijuana to Northern California to catch that first wave before the sun comes out. But it's a picture of men going to the house of the Lord. They don't tithe. They don't serve. 
They don't care, but they have a form of godliness that denies the power. Men, if ever there is a time for men to stand up in light of what's going on in the gender situation that's being altered, it's now. Every little boy, and I was a fatherless boy, I never had anybody tell me Chuck Smith ever open a door for me to go forward in my life. And then my father-in-law. This is a time to be a man, a real man, and set an example for young men and young boys to be righteous in the eyes of the Lord. 25 men. And he closes with this. Have you seen all this? The prophet hadn't. God had. Is it a trivial thing in the house of Judah to commit these abominations here? And this is what's changed my life. For they have filled the land with violence. I debrief the Marines, Camp Lejeune, Camp Pendleton, when they're coming back from Iraq and from uh, Afghanistan, all over the country. I've debriefed in shootings with law enforcement. I have a special clearance. was at 9-11 when the towers went down, a very special team by a resolution of con- uh, Congress. been to Oklahoma City when the building was blown. Uh, Sandy Hook, where the 26 people were killed in that school. And I've seen a lot of ugliness. But in all those situations, I've seen Jesus standing there with his arms wide open for whoever will come unto him. So I understand where we've been, what's been set up to take us to where we're going. And I know the only answer is the church. But you notice, 4,000. 500 churches closed in 2019 before COVID. Think of the thousands that have closed since COVID. You're a minority. You hold the secret to the universe. God has empowered you. So I had to ask myself, what am I going to live for in my old age? I'm going to live for the glory of God and my wife too. She's speaking more places than I'm speaking. It's an amazing thing to see God work. And there are no excuses of why he won't or why we can't answer this call, God. I have a lady in our house right now from Washington, D.C. Very sophisticated, intelligent person. And uh, this last few days have been amazing to listen to her point of view of what's going on. I was in San Jose this week and to hear the tech giants of how lost they are and how dark they are and what they're doing to erase the church. It's time to speak out for the glory of God. Shall we stand and shall we pray? Lord, these men and women are your men and women and they love you. And you're just looking for a few people to say like, here I am, Lord, send me. And I'd ask that you could touch their heart if it's just to be a prayer warrior. 
a giver, a goer. Their talents, their music, whatever, art. But to use it to capture the heart of men and women, boys and girls, for you. So we pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and forgive us of our sins, that Jesus would truly have the chambers of our imagery, the chambers inside our heart, and all of us. We pray for you to use all of us. And bless Quest Church. And you're refreshing the pastor. And I pray that when he gets back, he'll have clear vision from you. And that this congregation would be a huge light to the East County. And that we could see many, many people turn their hearts to Jesus because of their prayers and their commitment to you. So we're going to worship. I want to thank you for your time. And I'd like to ask while your heads are bowed and you're seeking the Lord and praying for your family and your church, that you would consider committing yourself to these last days to serve the Lord with your whole being. To serve. There's no greater in the kingdom than to love your neighbor, to help bear his burden, to help others be relieved of their pain and agony. Bless these men and women. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.